Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Today I'm here with a new friend, Brittany Simmons. Brittany and I met through a um, group that we're both part of called Called Creatives. She is a retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel and a West Point graduate. She was deployed to Iraq and led a platoon of 32 police military soldiers. Her soldiers were the first responders to the 2009 mass shooting in Fort Hood, Texas. She's also taught American politics at West Point. She's a wife, a mother, and a leadership coach. And I'm super excited to get to hear a little bit more from her perspective. So Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm really excited to be here today. I am as well. I'm excited to get to learn from you. So let's go ahead and jump right in. What made you decide to join the Army? Oh, well, that is that is a long story in and of itself. But uh, let's just say that, that little Brittany, as a five-year-old, the only thing she wanted for Christmas that year was camouflage clothes. Wow. And I know, I know, interesting for, you know, a five-year-old little girl. But I was definitely your, you know, I guess tomboy is the phrase that, you know, they would use going around playing. I just enjoyed that type of stuff. And I did get those camouflage clothes. Oh, good. And my mom, my mom did have to hide them on a regular basis. Otherwise, I probably would have worn them every day. Uh, and so I just had a natural bent towards that. And then in um, it was the summer between my seventh and eighth grade, I happened to to catch a show that was talking about a Christian woman cadet at West Point. Mm. And it just, I mean, it just wrapped my heart because that was everything that I wanted to do. Like I already was thinking the army and I knew West Point from a historical perspective because I loved history, sure. but I had no idea that it still existed, much less that women could go to it because this is the mid nineties. Um, and the first class to graduate with women actually was 1980. So wow. um, it's not like women had been there super long, but, but seeing that, I mean, it was just like, God put that whole thing on my heart and I did everything I could in high school to, to, to go that, that route. And yeah, I ended up going to West Point and then spending a career as an army officer. I don't know that I would have told you I would have spent a career as an army officer, but um, yeah, it was that. And the big piece with that is I, I really, I enjoyed the idea of what the army did and I enjoyed the, you know, the, uh, the physical nature of things, the working with other people. But as I got older, it really was about the leadership piece and West Point itself, you know, calls it self the uh the the nation and really the world's premier leadership lab and yeah. that's what they're working to do is to to grow leaders um mm -hmm. and and they didn't fail me and that was what i i loved about it um amongst other things that's awesome i'm glad that it worked out too yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> were there a lot of women at west point um, so it has changed drastically since I was there. So when I was there, about one in every 10 cadets was a woman. So okay. it, it was a pretty small percentage. Now it's really about one in every four. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's drastically changed since then. And it's like, so like when I was teaching, I had a whole lot more cadets, um, women cadets in my classes than I would have ever had uh, when I was a cadet. So, sure. so it was an interesting environment. Yeah. Were there a lot of Christians there? So there's actually quite a few Christians, I would say, okay. and and there's a few different ways that you can get um, involved with with Christian organizations there. They have several clubs. Uh, the one that I was involved with was because was called Officers Christian Fellowship, and so I, th I think it was Tuesday nights. Basically, we would have uh, uh, meetings where we get together and we'd have like big group worship, and then we'd go into smaller groups. And some of the people from that OCF groups are still some of my my closest friends ever. In fact, my best friend is a Naval Academy graduate, and she did an exchange to West Point, and she was in uh, OCF Officers. Christian Fellowship at Navy. And then mm. when she came up, she joined it up there. She and I became friends and we, yeah, she's my, my closest friend ever. And it was because of being involved in, in OCF. Wow. That's awesome. What was it like being a Christian and serving the military? Uh, so I think that probably the most, I, I guess would say difficult thing is um, learning how to, to be a witness without like just evangelizing everybody, right? Mm. Especially I grew up in a Christian home. And so, you know, in more of an evangelical tradition and so talking about that. So then what does it look like when you're not just like 
openly sharing your faith and everything that you do. Um, it's not a hostile place, I don't think, to to Christians. Um, in fact, one of the great things about it, I think, really from that, that has helped me grow as a Christian was the exposure to so many different people um, from so many different backgrounds with a you know wide variety of beliefs that it really made me look at myself and and try to figure out, all right, how do I show this? And a lot of it is how how my character reflects. Like, mm. why do I do the things the, the way I do them? You know, how do I treat everybody? Uh, you know, am I showing favorites? How do how do I talk? How do I interact? You know, am, am I an example of a good leader, you know, to these people? And, you know, elements of your character will stand out. And especially there's always going to be something that's going to be a hard time that tests you. Um, and, and when that comes, what comes out? Yeah. Was it easy to make friends? Like, I know you talked about your friend from the Navy Academy, um, being a woman in a male-dominated field, and then I'm sure a Christian made you just another outlier in a different way. How was building friendships? Uh, so in the first place, I'd say building friendships as an officer is a little bit more difficult just because there's less of you um, versus the enlisted. And there's really, I mean, there's a you know fraternization thing and all that not not supposed to happen. Um, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. I will say I got fortunate and had had several you know friends around, um, some that were Christians, some that weren't. And I think that was just part of figuring out you know who your close ones. There there are some really rough times that I had where where I did not have necessarily that support network around. My second time that I was deployed to Iraq uh, was probably one of the lowest kind of times that I hit, especially early early on of just I, I didn't have those close friendships and I really needed somebody. And I, you know, was really praying, God send me a friend. And this goes to just one of the crazy way God does things is that same friend of mine that's in the Navy. Mind you, she's in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Like after I'm praying for this, she gets deployed on an individual job that sends her literally to the exact same place I am, living one trailer apart. And I said I pr I promised her I did not pray for her by name. Like it wasn't, <laughs> you know, God, God chose her to answer my prayer, not me wow. praying for her by name. Yeah. Um, and so for six months, we were able to do that together. And that just was, was phenomenal. And with that, she actually introduced me to two other Navy, uh, women, Navy officers and the group of the four of us are just mm. the closest friends now. And we read the Bible and different pieces together and hold each other accountable, even though we're in separate places sure. and, and have been in separate places since then. That was back in 2007. Wow. Um, but we use technology and, you know, mm. just interact that way. And so, so, so God has provided, I mean, there's been ups and there's been downs, but he, mm -hmm. he has definitely provided through that. So I, I'm not the personality that needs tons of friends. Mm -hmm. And so I, I need that close circle. So as long as I have that close circle, I'm good. And he seemed to always provide that. But then too, there was other things where I was involved and didn't necessarily have friends that, that were, were necessarily Christian friends. Sure. Um, but I was involved in triathlons for a while. And there's quite a good community with that that's running or swimming or doing that type of stuff together. And then just finding in some places, some places I didn't have it, churches to be, be involved with. Mm -hmm. That's great that you were able to find people. And I love how the Lord provided literally your best friend. Right. Um, when you just like any friend will do, <laughs> he's like, yep. here, I'll give you the best one. Yep. That's awesome. What advice would you have for women in male dominated fields? I think is not to try to become the men, mm. right? Like, I think I've seen a lot of people like try to become the men or try to be hyper feminine, like to, to, to distance themselves instead of just being the leader that God has made them to be. Um, I do think we have to pay attention to that. There's some, some tendencies that we tend to fall into as women that are a little bit different than men um, that are just not helpful to our leadership. And I think that's just part of our personal growth as leaders. And you have to find the right stuff to study out there. It's, it's not a Christian book. It's a secular book, but it's called um, how women rise 
by mm. Sally Helgeson. And it's good because it just points out some of the stumbling blocks, some of the things that we can do. Like we can say sorry all the time for things that we're not sorry for. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get that. Mm. Just, it actually doesn't help you in your engagement with men in those type of environments to, to do that, those type things. And so it's, it's learning to overcome some of those natural habits. We also, um, and, and again, some of this is generalization, but some studies uh, show out is, is we will tend to wait till we're really good at something until we try for the next thing. Mm. And so sometimes that holds us back. Whereas a lot, a lot of men, especially in those male dominated workplaces where there's a lot of ambition, like they'll be 40 to 50% ready. And they're like, yep, pick me. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we just don't have enough confidence in the skills that we have um, to be able to say, okay, I can do this. And that's one of the things that I've learned is that sometimes I'll have that little bubbling of, I should try this. And I'm like, well, I'm not really ready, but everything, I don't think anybody's actually ever ready. Right. Um, you learn while you're in the job that when you go for those things that, that you feel called to do and that you, you want to try to do and you step into them, like you're going to learn it and you're going to do, do well. You're always going to come out better on, on the other end. Like I can't mm. promise that people will be successful, but you're going to learn things that are going to grow you. And so I definitely, that was one of the things I learned at West Point was those things that gave me just a little bit of pause, but I really knew that I wanted to do, but didn't necessarily feel ready to do that. When I stepped into those, mm -hmm. that's exactly where I was supposed to be. Mm. I love the leadership coaching I'm already getting. Um, I had a situation this week where I literally took it to one of my friends who is a man and I was like, okay, I need to make sure because I know women are less likely to go for this and I need to make sure that I'm not selling myself short here. What are your thoughts? And he's like, no, you're doing a great job. So that was encouraging. And then the things that were like, he was able to provide me some coaching on how to, how to get more out of it the way, not the way that a man would, but in a way that a woman would miss. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's great. You had somebody to go talk to. A lot of times that's difficult to have. Mm. Yeah. Do you have advice on how to develop people that you can use as resources like that? Oh, goodness. I wish I could say I have. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of, I would say, male leaders that that were really good leaders that just from a leadership perspective, we had that interaction. I don't know that we ever had that. In fact, I know we never had the talk about um, the differences between male and female and just, you know, mm -hmm. going, what does it go for to look like a good leader? So I had those as good mentors. But and my, my friend Blythe, she's the one that's the, the Navy officer, and she's still actually uh, serving in the Navy and doing wow. fantastic things. Yeah. So we talk, we actually talk about this stuff all the time, is that like the generation right before us had to break all of the glass ceilings and then just had to claw their way up. And they didn't have, um, you know, I, I don't think any fault to their own, like in the military, they really didn't have a lot of time and ability to reach down and, and mentor us as much as I think my generation would have wanted um, mm -hmm. because they were having to do all the hard work to still rise in those ranks. They hadn't yeah. hit the, you know, the upper ranks yet um, mm -hmm. at that time frame. And then there's a few others where it's, I think they just are like, well, I clawed my way through, so you can too. Like we've gotten a little bit of that, but there's a lot out there now, I think in my generation, as, as we've reached more senior ranks in the military um, and, and just even looking out at some of the other landscape that's out there, we're involved, whether it's in our churches or volunteer is that, okay, yeah, I had to go through some hard stuff, but that doesn't mean it was necessarily right. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time like bemoaning that because it, mm. it, it actually did make me a better person. It forced me to be excellent because excellent is what was required to be good. So, okay, there's a real positive from that, but you know what? You should not have to necessarily go through that same thing. How can I help you be excellent, but not have to, you know, go through some of those same type of things. And so I think some of it is is my generation and some of the other folks that are coming up just, you know, a few years behind me of reaching out because mm -hmm. it can be really hard sometimes to find. Everybody says you're supposed to ask somebody to be your mentor. I think sometimes mentors need to be able to reach down and say, I am here to help you. Mm -hmm. um, and and I don't know that enough 
enough women are making themselves available in that manner. Sure. And so I guess that would be my recommendation first is to, you know, those of us that are in our, our mid to upper, you know, or mid to upper thirties and forties um, and fifties, like let's, let's reach down and wrap our arms around some of mm-hmm. some of these ladies because they don't know to ask or they're too intimidated to ask right. because of we have gone through a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and then those that are younger, like, actually we want to be asked, we're not as intimidating as we may come across or as tough, you know, exterior as, as, as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so ask some of us and, and we're, we would probably love to, to be able to pour into you. So I think it's really that both ways. If we just got to set aside the, you know, what happens if they say no, if they say no, find somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. but I think it's a willingness on both sides to, to reach out and help develop, you know, those relationships and, and be open to them. For sure. I think we also tend to formalize mentorship a little bit more than it needs to be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I yes. think we think it needs to be this like, you're my mentor, I'm your mentee. We meet for coffee every week. We're reading this book together. Like that's counseling. Um, minus the coffee part. Like yep. really, like you're just looking for someone who's a little bit ahead of you in life that you can learn from and gather for coffee with periodically. It doesn't even have to be anything formal. And then look for someone who's a little bit behind you in life, like where you were maybe three years ago. And be investing in them as well and helping them navigate. And it's it can be super simple. Like I've got people that, yeah, it's a mentor relationship, but we would just use the word friend. Right. And I think sometimes too, the folks that are say the older, more experienced one, it it's actually both ways, especially with like how fast technology's going and things like that. I mean, there's stuff that I just don't know as well as some of these younger ladies that are out there that they're just gonna be naturally more adept at. And so in and what's going on in the, you know, different world that by just having those friendship conversations, like I'm gonna learn something too. It's definitely not a one-way learning relationship. And I think sometimes that's people think that that's what mentorship is, is it's that one-way learning relationship. It's like, no, I really think these days it's it it is two-way and it should be two-way. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's so true. Because there are different things that we know and different ways that we can invest in one another. Absolutely. What advice would you have for a woman who's just starting her career and wants to be a good leader? Well, so it actually takes like learning to be a good leader. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. I mean, there's people like me that are, you know, ready to invest in you, but um, from an actual formal coaching perspective, but there's also, I mean, just a a plethora of podcasts and books and things like that, but you're not going to, you're going to grow as a leader by doing your job on the job training. I mean, I've done a lot of that, but there's also just some basic principles and some, some, you know, skills and techniques that you need to learn. And so if nobody's teaching them to you, if there's no formal training in, inside your organization to do that, you need to seek that out on your own because otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to start hitting your, your head against the wall because you're going to be frustrated that things aren't going the way you want them to go. And your subordinates are going to be frustrated because you know, you're not doing what they expect you to do. Um, and so having a real understanding of, of some of those basic skills and, and what, it, and a lot of those, a lot of it's communication, how to communicate mm-hmm. to others, how to value others, how to, you know, cultivate what's best in them. Um, a lot of it has to do with emotional intelligence. So if you've never kind of dug into that, not just the self-awareness piece, like that's super important, but also the other's awareness. And then how does that interact mm-hmm. um, and being willing to, to go into that, like you do just have to do some training on it. And that's where like the reason I'm doing leadership coaching is, is I've literally had a life and a career where there's been formal leadership training. And then I've got to put all of that to the test in leadership experiences mm-hmm. um, with it. And so sometimes I have to remind myself that things that are natural to me aren't natural to everybody. And that's great. in having discussions with people sometimes is because some of it's become so second nature to me because of all of the training and actual 
implementation I've been able to do. So you have to invest your time and your effort into growing some of those leadership skills. They call them soft skills, but they're almost the, almost the harder ones to, to learn because they're not as concrete as mm -hmm. you know your math skills or your technical skills or you know how to do an Excel sheet. Like it's just not as concrete as that. And it requires you to often I don't want to say change your personality, but definitely grow your personality and grow your, your ability to interact with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you were leading in pretty intense moments being deployed too. Yeah. I mean, deployed. And then I'll tell you, it's probably the hardest job I ever had was the last one in the army where I was in charge of army recruiting um, centers across Indiana and Illinois during COVID. Ooh. So, you know, not deployed, but, but if you had to tell me do that again, or got, go to combat again, I would, I would go to combat again. Wow. <laughs> uh, part of it was I had a bad boss, but it was just sure. such a, such a difficult situation and going through just with no end in sight and no successes along the way. Mm. Whereas when we were deployed, you know, we, we were working together as a team every day. It was exactly fulfilling the purpose, you know, everything that, you know, I'd been trained to be and do, and I had a great team and it just, it was kind of a constant sort of success type um, environment that we were in. And so even though it was hard, it was everything I was trained to be, sure. whereas the COVID situation really between, again, bad bosses and just stuff completely out of our control, it it really tested, tested my soul. <laughs> yeah. No one really had training for how to survive a pandemic. No, right? <laughs> we're all trying to figure it out, right? Yep. So how do you care for yourself in such intense experiences? Uh, so, you know, I will tell you in the, in the deployed environment, caring for myself definitely had a lot to do with maintaining a personal relationship um, with, with Jesus. That's part of, part of my background and faith. So staying, mm -hmm. you know, plugged into that as much as possible, going to services when my, my work schedule allowed me to go to services because they did have some of those services there. I was fortunate that one of the other um, officers nearby was also a, a Christian that I'd gone to West Point with. So we were able to talk on some of those things and then maintaining communication just with other friends and family uh, back home, um, I think mm -hmm. was, was probably, and then I would also say is when we had a chance was, was doing proper working out and then proper proper eating <laughs> while you're there as much as possible. Just things like staying hydrated um, mm -hmm. was part of it. I mean, when you're deployed and actually in combat, it's a little bit more difficult, I would say, to do some of some of those self-care things, but some of it too is just making sure you get a good night's sleep and and those types of things. Yeah. Um, I think in the rest of it, for me, it's been making sure, and, and a lot of people, when they retire from the military or they get out of the military, like they really hit a, uh, oh my gosh, where's my purpose? going to be because they've allowed they've allowed the military and I'm sure this happens in plenty of other organizations too but when you allow your work to become your full identity and then you separate out from it a lot of people have a real hard time with that so I have after my first deployment and this is something the first deployment taught me not and I, I had that happen like right as soon as I had graduated West Point and, and gone in it was pretty close there afterwards so it's not like I had a lot of time to mess up in here but I learned from that like I need to have time and energy that is spent outside of work that mm. is not all work. And so I learned pretty pretty soon not to, to burn out. And that's how I got into triathlon. And that's how I got into some of the other organizations and making sure that I was volunteering in churches, you know, mm. when I could, because I needed an outside of church or outside of, excuse me, a workplace to be able to invest myself, to have fun and, and to be who I was. And, and that was the, I think probably the best self-care I could be. I know everybody often hears self-care and thinks that it's like going to the spa and things like that. <laughs> For me, it was always very active. I sure. needed to have something that I was doing active, whether it was physically active or volunteer mm -hmm. active to be able to take care of myself and to have an identity outside. And so when I got married and we had kids, like that provided me a huge identity outside of the military. And so in this first year, you know, after retirement, 
Um, I, I love my time that was in. I don't want to say that I'm going to, I miss it because it was the right time for us to transition, but I have not yeah. hit that purpose wall sure. that a lot of people hit. That's awesome. And I'm sure being involved in things is, is why you've not been able to hit and why you've not hit that wall. Absolutely. And it's also understanding that my full identity wasn't wrapped up in like, yeah. where is my identity? And it's not even in these other things that I do, but it's, it's in, you know, who God made me to be and the skills yeah. and talents and, and where am I going to apply those skills and talents? And the army yeah. just happened to be where I applied those skills and talents for several years. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those skills and talents have been transferable. So let's talk a little bit about how being in the army has made you a better wife and a better mother. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'm glad I had 10 years in the active duty <laughs> army before I became a mom. So um, the wife part, I don't know. I think that's a piece we're still trying to figure out because we actually had, well, our, our first child was uh, uh, our first anniversary present by, by just shy oh, wow. of four days. So yeah. it wasn't intentional, surprised sure. us, w wouldn't change it for the world, but we jumped right into, <laughs> right into parenthood. Into, yeah. In, into parenthood. Yeah. Right off the bat. Um, but really the communication piece, I think is the biggest thing. And, and, and so he, he was active air force. He's in the air force reserve. Now he went into the air force reserve. So that shared, shared language has helped us out. And sure. then we, we've worked on communication and we both value growth. And I think the military helps teach you that is to value growth. So, so that is something where he and I uh, have been able to work together because we both have that same value of, of growth and progression and, and move forward in life. So I guess as, as a wife, that's helped there is we both have some similar, you know, training and background in that, even though we're very different personalities sure. but then just for for being a mom i i think it is the idea of of being able to understand that all these people are different mm. and that my kids are different my two kids from each other and they're different from me and understanding that me as the leader i don't have to i don't expect them to trans you know to transform or conform to who i am rather i have to meet them where they're where they're at mm -hmm. and i had to do that with soldiers i had to learn how to you know I, I specifically remember in iraq i had three what were called squad leaders and i had to communicate a task to them each differently one i just had to say go do mm -hmm. and that's all they wanted just give me the directions and they've got it the other one you know needed some details of why they were going to go do it and then the other one simply needed me to add a please to it now that wasn't required and a lot of people would be like you're in the army you shouldn't have to do a please but if that's what helps them understand and receive what I need them to do, then great. Well, it's the same thing with my kids. Like they're very different. And how do I work with them? And then I think the other piece that I found uh, growing up, I, I think I very much learned that fairness was treating everybody the same, you know, and that was very much the mindset I grew up uh, of hearing. Well, my definition of fairness now is not giving everybody the same thing, but giving everybody what they need. Mm. And that's going to look different. And, and I really learned that in the army. And now I use that with my kids and my, my oldest kid can even give you that definition because when they say, you know, well, it's not fair. I'll be like, what's the definition of fair? Fair mm. is giving everybody what they need. Do you need the same thing as your six-year-old brother? No, because you're 10. Right. And <laughs> so we have those discussions, but I just think, and then learning to balance a whole lot of different priorities and mm. things that are ongoing. Um, the military just gives you a really great appreciation for uh, how to do, you know, juggle all those different things at once and figure out what's, what's a rubber ball that you can let bounce and what's a glass ball that you can't. Yeah. No, that's so valid. What have I not asked you that you want to tell us about? So I think one thing in today's day, especially thinking in like the self-care area and things like that, I think one thing that people overlook is the value of doing hard things, like mm. voluntarily doing hard things and knowing that when you can voluntarily do hard things um, or things again, that maybe like push you outside of your comfort zone, that builds your resilience 
for when you face unknown hard things. So like for me, it was going into endurance sports. I don't do that anymore because once I had kids, that just wasn't the time for it. But I still work out and do those, you know, and, and challenge myself in those areas or volunteer to do different things that I haven't done before. But all, doing all of that and doing the stuff in the army where we are training and we knew we knew what the scenarios were a little bit better and all of that type stuff. Um, we could go in and do that hard thing. And that hard thing trained us for the unknown because we were going to face other hard things that weren't going to be exactly like what was scripted for us. But we can create a little bit of our own training ground. And I think sometimes we're, we're way surprised when some things from life hit us um, and we're always going to be. But the question is, how, how resilient and are you prepared for the unknown? And mm -hmm. if you never if you never push yourself outside of your comfort zone, if you never do something that uh, especially voluntarily, then your resilience is only going to be built because of hitting the unknown. Mm. Why don't we, why don't we preempt that? You know, sure. so maybe for some people, maybe it's going and running a 5k because they've never done that before. And they're going to train them, you know, train their bodies to do that and be self-disciplined. Well, that self-discipline is going to translate into other things, you know? And so, or, or maybe it is, maybe it's volunteering for something at church where you're like, I'd really like to do that, but I'm not qualified. Well, like we talked about earlier, you, you'll learn it as you go. So step yeah. into it and learn. And then yeah. in the future, when you face something else that's a little bit unknown, you'll be like, that's all right. I've built the muscles. I, I know mm -hmm. how to face the unknown. I think one of the greatest things as I've looked back across my career that has been developed in me is I'm, I'm pretty flexible. And that helps me be, I don't want to say unflappable. There's been things that have, have gotten to me, um, but not to the same extent that I've seen them take down, if you will, other people. And I just yeah. think I have a resilience that through, through the army and then through me personally pursuing some hard things mm -hmm. has built up a resilience. And it's not a resilience because, uh, again, because of the things that I can't control. It's a right. resilience because of the things that I could control. Mm -hmm. helps me face the things that I can't control better. That's true. I think about like last year I was trying to go to Uganda and I ended up with a visa that expired before it was issued. And so they wouldn't let me on the plane. And so we didn't know this was going to be the end of the story until the rest of my team is on the plane and I'm still standing there at ticketing and check-in and they're like, no, you can't get on this plane. And so here I am stuck in New York City by myself. And like, thankfully I've traveled enough that I, as soon as somebody was like, well, what do you need? And I was like, a hotel, like get me a hotel. I'll figure out how to get myself there. Um, and, and a lawyer who can help me with my visa. Um, and like, I was like, that's all I need. The rest of it I can figure out. And they're like, those are the easy things done. Um, and so having travel experience and having had travel experiences go backwards had me so prepared for that. And they were like, oh my gosh, like you handled that so well. And I was like, don't give me too much credit. There were tears. Um, but I knew that I could handle it because I had handled things like that before. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. Yeah. And I made it to Uganda eventually. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad just got to end the story there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome, Brittany. I have loved all of these things that you've um, shared with us. Like I've learned so many things already that I'm like, ooh, I can put that into practice. I can put that into practice. That looks a little different than I've seen it in my life before, what it would look like to change that in that way. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. If we want to continue to learn from you, where can we find you online? Yeah, so I have a website. It's BrittanyEsimmons.com. Make sure you put the E in there uh, and, and you'll find it. But BrittanyEsimmons.com is my website. And, you know, again, I'm just less than a year off of the off of the army. So I'm building up a lot of those things. I'm really starting to work on uh, writing some longer form content and some of that stuff, but taking these ideas and putting that written down there. Um, and then also you'll find me on Instagram at Britt E. Simmons. So not Brittany, but at Britt E. Simmons. Uh, and if you were to look up Brittany Simmons, like it should pop up uh, in, in there as well and find me there. And then also on Facebook, I'm at Brittany Simmons Leadership Coaching. 
Uh, and they can find it there and, and there's links to all of that on my on my blog as well so Perfect. they can or not my blog but my website they Your can website. go to the website they can link to all my socials and linkedin um as well but even if people just want to start a conversation i would love to you know start a conversation and provide some some insight you know no strings attached uh, yeah. but would love to talk to anybody that's interested very cool we will link to your various sites on our show notes as well okay thank you yeah would you be willing to pray for us oh absolutely thank you yeah Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the people that are listening to this podcast today, and uh, thank you for the skills and talents and callings that you have given to them, and I pray that you would uh, give them um, your confidence and help them to understand your identity in them so that they can step out into the things that you would have them step out into. I pray that you would uh, help them find friends or mentors to help them as they walk through this life and go through this life, but I pray that, that most of all that they would be grounded in you. So that uh, when the rains do fall and the floods rise up, Lord, that you would be their rock and their foundation so that they can lean and trust in you. And that in that, that others would see you, uh, and that you continue to grow them and give them the opportunities that they need to help uh, influence their world uh, and using the gifts and talents that you've given them. We thank you for this time and pray that you bless everybody as they go on with their day. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. I have one final question for you. Okay. Part of Have Hope Will Travel is that we are always learning something, hearing a new perspective, understanding something different. So I would love to know what's something you've learned recently. Honestly, I think one of the things that I've learned recently is I've stepped into to this world of of being creative, whether it's mm -hmm. like, you know, and that's why I'm in the called creatives group with you and, and I'm yeah. getting into the writing um, is just the importance of getting words on paper and then and then truly running them through other people and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting them to help you, you refine them. Uh, a lot of times in the things I've had to do, do in, in the army, it's just, um, you kind of just go, you're making the decisions and everybody goes with it. And there's not tons of people to run stuff by, especially when you're the top person. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I have enjoyed being able to run some of these things and ideas by, and actually to maybe like take on the title, like understand that I'm doing some creative work because I would have never mm -hmm. put any of this stuff in the creative space sure. uh, beforehand. So I've always enjoyed writing, but learning to write in a little bit of a different style. Mm -hmm. um, I'm learning a lot in, in that space right now and refining what that looks like to make sure it's still my voice and who I am, but in, in a way that makes sense for people to, to be able to, to consume it appropriately. That's awesome. And I look forward to seeing that longer form writing when it's ready to be released. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for teaching us and coaching us, mentoring us a little bit on the show today. And thank you also for your time in the military. Thank you for protecting and serving our country um, and giving the sacrifice that many of the rest of us can't or have chosen not to give. So thank you so much for being there for us. Well, it's been my pleasure to be on here. And the thing that I always tell everybody is it's an all-volunteer force. It's exactly where God would have me. If he had me pick, you know, today, go back and do the military again or do a kindergarten classroom, I would pick the military all deployments and all again because God's gifted each of us differently. And so, uh, you know, I have a, a kindergartner and I can't imagine being his teacher. So I'm so <laughs> thankful for people like that. And yeah. I'm just glad God gives us all different skills, talents, yeah. and abilities. Oh, that's such a good word. Thank you.